0: It's not online marketing, it's marketing. Like this is sales. So this is a part of your business. And if you're not embracing e-commerce, you're really putting, not only are you putting yourself at, at a disadvantage, I hate to use the word like disrespectful, but like you're, you're you know, are you being respectful
1: of your customer's time? Hello and welcome to a new episode of B2B e-commerce integrated. My name is Arno and I'm the chief product officer at Sana Commerce. And in this podcast, it's all about B2B e-commerce. At Sana Commerce, we believe that by using ERP integration, B2B companies are more successful than B2B companies that use mainstream e-commerce solutions. You do not have to replicate data and logic around complex pricing, stock, orders and quotes in multiple systems and there is no need to maintain that data and logic in various systems and more importantly less prone to error by making ERP and commerce work as one this results in better relationships with your B2B buyers and more commercial success so in the episodes I have various guests from IT leaders to e-commerce experts of manufacturing wholesale and distributing industries as I love to understand their perspective On B2B e-commerce. So you can find the podcast in the channels such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple and Google with the name B2B e-commerce integrated. And in today's episodes, I have a guest all the way from the US, Kurt Anderson, who has over 11,000 followers on LinkedIn and is an expert uh, in e-commerce for manufacturing industry as he has been working for various of projects to help businesses to further grow and expand in today's e-commerce world. So Welcome, Kurt.
0: Arnold, man, thank you. What an honor and privilege to be here today, and just welcome any of your listeners out there. And just super excited to have this conversation with you. So, Kurt, can you please explain to our listeners more about your background? Sure, Arnold. So, I had a wholesale business in the '90s. -hmm. Arnold, like I don't like, dude, you were probably like on your on your maybe you were in diapers at the time, right? So this is like I'm maybe maybe I'm I'm young, but not that young. (laughs) So. I had a wholesale business and my, here's my claim to fame, Arnold. you ready for this? And my accountant Mm -hmm. said, I was the biggest disaster that she had ever met. How do (laughs) you wear that hat, right? I'm the biggest disaster she ever met. So I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And it's 1995 and I was just running out of options. So I tried this little e-commerce thing. Like at the time, internet was new, this whole e-commerce, you know, like people are actually going to take a credit card and like punch it into a computer. Are you kidding me? Right. And so I started on e-commerce and it was a long, fun journey, but man, it turned into a, a wonderful thing. And so I've been in e-commerce ever since. So 28 years, man. So I'm not a young guy anymore, but it's been a great run. And e-commerce is just, as we talked, it's a must to have, not a nice to have. And so I love what you're doing, your mission, what you guys are doing to help manufacturers really step up their e-commerce game is just so admirable. So that's why I just, I'm really honored to be here with you today
1: to talk about this. Awesome. Awesome. And I love your show as well. And what I often see, especially focusing on on manufacturing companies, wholesalers as well, that, that are part of your show and that you are also, I think you're helping with your company, you're helping these companies, right? So can you maybe elaborate a little bit more about that? Yeah.
0: So I had my e-commerce business and just, you know, I was very, it was, man, it was tough. It took me a long time, but it was. I was very fortunate, very blessed here in the States. There's a magazine called Internet Retailer. I was very fortunate (laughs) we landed on the Internet Retailer top 1000 companies three years in a row. And then I was even further blessed. I ended up selling that company. And then what I found was like my passion, my purpose, my mission was trying to help other manufacturers, other companies, entrepreneurs figure out this whole e commerce thing. So even like, you know, we're 30 plus years in e commerce it's still like, we're just starting this. We're just scratching the surface. Like the party's just Mm -hmm. starting. So for any of your listeners out there, like, man, I feel like I'm late to the game. You are absolutely not late to the game. And what's just awesome is when you can align with somebody like yourself or trusted guides. And you mentioned like what we do. So I work with a number of different universities and different organizations here in the United States. And we try to educate manufacturers and entrepreneurs on the benefits of e-commerce and how to get into it. Because there's a lot of myths, there's a lot of misunderstandings. It's daunting, it's challenging, it's frustrating, it's overwhelming, intimidating. And so like, you know, I think that's where we aligned is we want to reduce that overwhelm for our clients, for our manufacturers. And that's what I love what Sana does is like, you just come in and just really embrace those clients that like, how can we help you guide? How can we guide you to success as seamlessly and quickly as possible?
1: exactly and that is i think one of the major topics for today which i uh, really look forward to you know it's the beginning beginning of the year yeah. everybody has uh, you know new year res- resolutions or maybe is already fully started with that and as you mentioned yeah it's it's never too late to start or that you say yeah i'm too i'm too late for the game and especially i think on the let's say the smaller size companies that are still feel it like a very scary step to take and that is i think the yeah that was a, that's an interesting topic for today to talk about so Let's first talk about that scary part or why do you think so? That's especially yeah, smaller size companies, wholesalers, uh, distributing companies. Why do you believe they find it scary to start or to move their business from, let's say, traditional offline to online?
0: Great question. I just, as a matter of fact, I did a live in person workshop yesterday, which is great, you know, now that. The world's starting to open back up again. So it's great getting out and being with manufacturers. And, uh, you know, there was a manufacturing room. He had no website. I'm like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, oh my goodness, you know, it's 2023. This person had no website. (laughs) So the challenge is, so like I'm a, what we call a digital immigrant. Okay. So anybody yep. be born before 1980. I was born way before 1980. So here in the United States and, you know, we call them, you know, the baby boomers and Gen X. Okay? Mm-hmm. That generation is, you know, they've been in the trenches for years, decades. Maybe uh, it's a family business where mom and dad ran the business, grandma and grandpa. So like there's that tagline, is a scary tagline. This is how we've always done it and I think there's that fear factor of bringing on a new technology you know you guys doing an incredible job working with manufacturers on ERP systems and again I'm sorry to like beat it to death but it gets overwhelming challenging so if you look at it from the entrepreneur standpoint what's their risk what are their challenges what are their frustrations it's you know a lot of times these projects are are not they're not inexpensive right it takes an investment to get into e-commerce we're doing a huge project in in the state of texas right now you know it's probably a quarter million dollar investment that they're making into like going full blown b2b play on e-commerce you know so that's a big step for a company to to write that check right so the thing is, from a small entrepreneur standpoint, it's very: can I make the investment? Can you guarantee me what's the ROI? What does the future look like? Because I don't know what it lo- what it what it is. And again, that's why it's so important for these these entrepreneurs, manufacturers, aligned with with Sana, with your company, with guides, with experts, trusted resources that have been in the trenches to help them get get through that. On the other side of things, say if you have a, uh, I know you work with bigger companies. Say even there's a bigger company, it's a large size company and they just haven't, they haven't tipped their toe in e-commerce yet. So now how does that buying process work? Somebody down the food chain, maybe there's a marketer, maybe there's somebody in sales. They're like, Hey, our competition is starting to get, that's usually the biggest motivator is when competition is getting involved. We need to get in, right? Yeah. So now yeah. if marketer or sales rep on the street is like, Hey, I'm starting to, be- I'm getting beat up because competition is in e-commerce. Somebody's going to start that buying journey, that that research due diligence process. So they're going to stumble on your company or whatever whatever process they're going to look at, and then they're going to report up the food chain of like, hey, this is what we're seeing. So now it's a decision by committee. So for the small entrepreneur, small manufacturer, it's daunting, challenging because there's an investment. For the large company, it's like decision by committee. So both, you know, it's not super easy on both
1: on both fronts understood understood yeah and and well explained and i think in i think it is right so 250k for a small size company let's say if you have um, at between 10 or 20 million revenues a year then still 250k is is quite an investment it's quite a check as you mentioned to to write right what do you explain them to them yeah how, how could you make it successful or let's say how can you take that fear away what tips would you normally give to these kind of companies?
0: Yeah, I think we're far enough, though I call it the e-commerce parties just starting. We're deep enough mm-hmm. into it. So for the folks, you know, like the word pioneers. Okay, so the pioneers, yeah. you know, we think of like the Amazons and like, the, you know, the folks that came out in the 90s and the early 2000s. They made a lot of the mistakes. Okay, so the great things like companies, the dot-com bubble from 20 years ago, a lot of companies fell off the wayside. Now it's here to stay. Okay. So now like early, we're past the early adoption phase. Now, like this is regular business. This like, it shouldn't be like, Hey, this is online marketing. This is just marketing. It's not online marketing. It's marketing. Like this is sales. So this is a part of your business. And if you're not embracing e-commerce, you're really putting, not only are you putting yourself at, at a disadvantage, I hate to use the word like disrespectful, but like you're, you're, you know, are you being respectful of your customer's time? I don't know if, how you are. Like when it comes to, if it's a new technology and I don't like, I, I'm like, man, I just don't have the bandwidth and the, I don't want to learn it. Okay. And especially mm-hmm. for us guys, I don't know, not to throw us guys under the bus, but guys hate looking foolish. We just don't want to look yeah. foolish. So like who wants to ask the question or I don't understand. So if it's a technology that we don't, that we're not fully grasped on, we're like, it's easy to ignore. So the thing is for e-commerce for, as you're describing that manufacturer or that entrepreneur, since they don't want to know it or understand it, it's very easy to be like, hey, let's ignore it. But, you know, like, yeah. hey, if, you know, our customers like calling us, are you positive that your customers like calling us? Because maybe they would rather just go log into a customer portal, buy the five items that they need, and no disrespect, not that they don't want to talk to you or see how you're doing or how your weekend was, but it's just a lot easier for them just to send that order in. And so, and, and again, as you and I know, it's just, it's that must to have, not a nice to have. So we could go further there if you
1: want. No, no, no. Yeah, we will. We will. But uh, let's digest this a bit because I think there is some really good value there. So a couple of things you mentioned already. It's scary. It's a big investment. And also that's what what we see at Sana like, especially, yeah, we still see, let's say what we call first generation e-commerce coming in, right? Although that's changed over the year, eh? as you can imagine. Also, we went as a product a little bit more upmarket where you see more second and third generation even forward. so But still, with, let's focus on this first generation and yeah, things that we're doing with the podcast or just putting customers on stage, sharing that message that it can be very successful for your company is, is one thing that is helping. On the other hand, that's also what you're mentioning here, right? It is not a online marketing anymore, but it is marketing and it is sales. And that is, I think, one of the biggest changes from the, let's say, past two, three years where we saw also in the numbers, from our customers that were really on the pivoting point that before the online revenue was smaller than the offline revenue, but now things turn around, right? We see a lot of our customers are 50, 60, 70% plus online versus offline, right? So more online than offline. And then it literally changed that there is no online marketing anymore. No, it is marketing, it is sales. And that's, I think, the, the big difference. That also means that there are, if that's the point, yeah, then you are, if you're investing in marketing and sales, you should be investing in online marketing and sales, right? So you should invest in in these online things. Yeah, 250K is still a big project. With Sana, we can also, for the smaller companies, we can do with less and we also do a lot of proof of concept or trials so that customers can try and feel But still, it's indeed a scary part because it's not only the technology, you also need to change as a business, right? And that is also the other thing you mentioned, like, yeah, nobody wants to get fired or wants to look foolish or wants to look stupid. And I think that is uh, still a lot of, especially in the smaller companies, especially in manufacturing, in B2B manufacturing, distributing companies, education and transferring the message. What we are doing today is a must-have to do. So, yeah, I think... People can really benefit, like consultants like you, and there are more in the world, but you as well from B2B Tail that are just helping out these companies and sharing a message or showing them, yeah, how other companies succeeded with adopting B2B e-commerce and that it is not scary if you just make the right decisions. Talking about that. So if they decide to take or to embrace B2B e-commerce and start with it, right? What challenges will are there then? So let's maybe focus on do you have any. Things to share, how IT is involved or marketing or sales, or what are the challenges then? The next steps there, if they already made this is, okay, we want to go online, but then what? Great question. And so maybe I
0: went a little, I don't know, sour, negative, right? Like, you know, it's daunting over all, all that. So let's, let's flip the mm-hmm. script. Let's get super positive, right? Let's go, all right. Let's go back I like call, that. Right. We want to fire up the troops. We want everybody on this call just be just sprinting into e-commerce. Because if you're not racing in e-commerce, you know, there was a research report that came out last year by Gartner and uh, Mm -hmm. the research firm. Eighty three percent of B2B buyers prefer e-commerce or digital transactions. Let that digest. Savor that for a minute. Eighty three percent. So, again, if you're not in this, you're really putting yourself at a true disadvantage. So let's go positive. One thing, so what we try to do is like, you know, we do a lot of webinars, workshops, that type of thing. And what we do, Arnold, is we take we show stories. We want to pull that manufacturer into the success story. We want them to see themselves on the white horse, waving a flag of victory, right? That's what we want to show them why they need to do this and how to do it. Okay. So once we get kind of get them fired up and excited about, you know, just in the my big word is possibilities. Come into it with an open mind of like the possibilities, because like, I don't know about you, like when you're working with folks and a lot, you know, well, man, what if that doesn't work? Or what if this goes South? Or what if this, what? So if we flip that script and said, Hey, what if this was like phenomenal? What if this was like the greatest thing? What if this was like a pivot and like took our company to a whole new direction that we like beyond our expectations? What if, right? So I'm going to encourage everybody out there. Think about the e-commerce opportunities and possibilities Mm -hmm that this could bring to the table. What we love to do is we pull them into the story. We'll show case studies, success stories. You know, we can talk about those. But when we get into that project, this is what I've found is like super successful, even like mentally, behaviorally, spiritually, whatever you want to call it. We go really Mm -hmm. tight in phases. So instead of like, man, this is a quarter million dollar e-commerce project, or even for the small company where they're going to, it's a $30,000 project, which is still significant, right? What we do is like, okay, here's phase one. This is what phase one looks like. And we're not going to deviate unless like we all together as a team say, we're going to deviate for this reason. But this is phase one. I'll run an example. Like we're launching a brand new project on Monday. It's a company, they do covert antennas. So you think like uh, police, armed forces, emergency, you know, like anything that needs a covert antenna, this company they've been around since the sixties, great company. We're going very strict in phases. So, like first phase, hey, customer portal. Let's create a really robust customer portal. So for you know, our current clients, they know us, they love us, we've done business with them for decades. But we want we're dedicating ourselves to making their life easier so now they can buy. Then phase two, then we're gonna open up the wood shop, if you will. Like, hey, let's bring in new customers and now we're gonna start getting mm-hmm. aggressive from a marketing standpoint, SEO, so on and so forth. Let's invite new customers. But once we get the current customer base locked and loaded then we're going to go into phase two, then we have a phase three. So they feel very comfortable, they're excited, they're not overwhelmed. And so I guess my takeaway there is I would encourage if, you, if you're if you a little like hesitant, man, break it when you're talking to your, your e-commerce guide, consultant, firm, like SANA, whatever, say, hey, could we tackle this in phases just so we're on the same page? So we've been finding a lot of success with that approach.
1: Uh, I love to hear that. And and we experience that as well, and we actually have that in our practices or what we, how we work with customers that need it in 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 this way. And I think it's it's working out great. So, mm-hmm. is there maybe a, a success story that you can share, or or doesn't have to name the company, but or or if you can, you can for our listeners for their imagination. I'd be happy to. So hey, I, so. I know I'm going to take a
0: for a shameless plug. I'm going to tell you about my mom has a favorite book. It's her favorite book. (laughs) It's called "Stop Being the Best Kept Secret." It was written by her favorite son. Of course, I'm her only son. So in my (laughs) book, "Stop Being the Best Kept Secret," actually, it's a kind of an e-commerce resource guide. So sorry to throw it up my shameless plug there. No, Um, nice. But but in that book, I go through like what I love to preach and talk to our custom contract manufacturers. Okay, when you have a OEM original equipment manufacturer, they have a proprietary product. They have They have those goods that they can list. You know, it's a much easier e-commerce play. It makes a lot more sense, right? Are we B2B, direct-to-consumer, whatever that looks like? The contract manufacturer, the custom manufacturer, they feel left out of the e-commerce party because they're like, man, I'm always making something for somebody else, okay? And like to invent something to be innovative, like, hey, that's not our jam. You know, like we're widget makers. We know how to make this widget. Like, man, we've been doing it for decades. Nobody makes it as good as we do. However... Typically, when you talk to that custom manufacturer, if you take the 80-20 rule, say like, hey, what 20% are driving your 80% of your profits, right? And they'll be like, oh, well, it's this, 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 okay? And like, okay, well, right there, that's a potential e-commerce opportunity. What if we take some of those goods and, hey, what if you start standardizing something? Like, hey, here's a standard product here. Here's a standard product there. Your risk is like, I mean, like, you know, be a little bit below, you know, what you guys offer. But like throw up something super cheap on a cheap shopping cart throw a few few bucks into it. Let's just see if anybody out there wants this or needs this or talk to your customer, customers about that. So we did this with an electronics manufacturer. It's called Faulkner Electronics. They were founded in 1985. And the problem with contract manufacturers, I don't know if you encounter this, sometimes in like as entrepreneurs, yes. we try to be everything to everybody. And what happens, we're nothing to no one, right? Jack of all trades, master of none. And so we're trying to sing to everybody instead of like the little tiny audience, the niche that really wants to hear our song, okay? I call it, hey, let's niche down till it hurts, man. Niche down and stay in your lane of like, where you really crush it. So with this company, they were doing electronics, okay? And so they sell to Walmart, they sell to Lowe's here in the States. And so if you walk into the television department of Walmart and you see every single television in all of North America is plugged into this heavy duty power unit and it's manufactured rated right the small 30 person contract manufacturer of Falcon Electronics. Well, they also were making like these little tiny things are called ground straps, okay? Like everything that draws a current needs to be grounded. So they were making thousands and thousands of these little ground straps that would go in like wire assemblies or their power units or whatever, but they were selling it to one customer. And I'm like, hey guys, by chance, is there anybody else on this planet that would buy like, it's a multi, multi, multi multi-billion dollar market, massive. Everything that draws a current needs to be grounded. Is there anybody else? There's nothing proprietary about it. There's no patent about a ground strap. I'm like, is there anybody else on this planet that could use a ground strap? They're like, well, yeah. Well, they had the equipment, they had the machinery, they had the raw material, they had the know how, they, the, they had everything in place to scale this one part with the exception of marketing. They were the best kept secret for this product. So we're like, hey, we'll throw up a couple web pages with, we'll just we'll make up sizes. We never even put a single one in stock. Like, let's just put up a bunch of sizes on a webpage. If nobody buys, man, I owe you guys the cost of a couple of web pages. All of a sudden, a customer bought. Then another customer bought. Then we started get doubling down on content. Then all of a sudden, they started getting first page rankings. Then all of a sudden, we're, we're beating Fortune 500 companies on Google searches. Then all of a sudden, Lockheed Martin knocks on their door. Ford Motor knocks on their door. Boeing knocks on their So all of a sudden, all these Fortune 500 companies, all because we took a chance, stayed in our lane, focused on our niche. And like just went all in on one particular product line. So that's what we do. That's what we work on with manufacturers, especially those custom contract manufacturers. How can you find that niche and discover that e-commerce yeah. gold?
1: That is your big lesson. That is your big lesson. So we have find that niche. And I, I love that story. And they're definitely going to use it more and more. we we trying to preach as well, and we, we have done so but we can emphasize it more and and we we take the lesson from kurt there so i find that niche it's it's so in a sense in one sentence so easy mm-hmm. but we have so many clients always coming to us and they start with dbt commerce and they want everything like okay let's put yeah. Online, these 200, 300, 600,000 SKUs. And that's a huge pile of work. Everybody knows that from IT. We can stumble upon um, and talk about that for another four hours, how difficult it is. But if you just look at it from another perspective and find that one, five or 10 products that are easier to sell but also sell a lot or bring uh, that revenue then yeah you can find success easier and and also make a much bigger impact so uh that is definitely i think something i will at least remember and hopefully the listeners will uh, will take that into account as well and even some of our customers i think can still optimize their web stores by yeah not focusing on As many things as possible, but yeah, the most profitable or the best, finding the best niche. And that is, I think, a very, very nice one. And yeah, talking about that on the other spectrum, because still you mentioned a nice topic, right? This contract manufacturers and doing also all the, everything custom There is on the other side of the spectrum also solution which is more like configure price quotes so that you make custom deals or custom offerings with technology right that is also an interesting topic we have discussed before and i think that is on the other edge right instead of just finding that niche and that one two products that are easy to sell you can also look for indeed for your the handy custom more the custom products because there is also a huge i will not even say hype but just a lot of Energy on that topic, and we see a lot of customers now onboarding with uh, with CPQ solutions. So, yeah, what can you share about that? So, or maybe let one more sense. So, CPQ configure, price, quote is most of the time that you have tooling in place where you can make different configurations, different settings to build out your product or your solution more or less tailored. So, if you can imagine, if you're buying a car or if you take it more b2b maybe like a truck or something and you can select the wheels the engine and this and that and tailor it for your needs right and that's what we're seeing uh, of course in b2b a lot especially for this contracting manufacturers right so maybe elaborate a little bit more on that kurt yeah and i think
0: you know i'm going to take a page out of your book dude and this is what i really admire what's going on with your company and how you, you know you guys are taking are going global and you know like your tagline prioritize relationships not just transactions Mm -hmm. I just absolutely love that. So I think if everybody could just focus on that for a second, when you can be solution focused, not necessarily product focused. I think if there was any advice or any takeaway today with our call on like e-commerce strategy, it's right there, man. If you prioritize the relationships, dedicate yourself to understanding your customer and not only just your customer, your customer's customer. Right. If you're selling, if you're in a B2B space, well, somebody's using that product somewhere, not necessarily in a a home or consumer base. But, you know, what does that look like? So, you know, you're talking about configurators, man. I'm like a raving, raving configurator junkie advocate. I just I feel I'm biased where any company that makes any type of product I feel can be configured in some capacity. And when you can offer that configurator, you're creating such a dynamic competitive advantage. I know you guys have a powerful solution. So again, anybody out there listening, man, reach out to Arnold, the team, you know, and if it's not a great fit, you know, just keep exploring. But boy, again, I'm so biased. Like it doesn't matter like this, this, you know, the clothes that we're wearing right now, I need, you know, this size, I need this color. I want this written on it to like, you just mentioned a car. So like anything. So like I just mentioned my little, my little ground strap example, that's exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. So we created a standard, a standardized product line just to kind of like, Hey, you know, who needs these things? And when you do have that standard product, you know, I'm gonna throw my SEO hat, but you have a great opportunity, especially for when you're in a B2B space where those keywords are not as competitive. And I won't go super deep there because I I could geek out really hard on on SEO and like getting those search rankings, hmm. stop being the best kept secret. But when you have those standard products, you're you're number one, you're helping your customer make a buying decision. Number two, you're putting yourself at a, a huge advantage from a search standpoint, okay? Now, from the what we found is people are like, hey, this is awesome. You have this product. You have that product. However, I see you have eight inch. I need 10 and a half inch. Or I see you have this width. I need this width or this configurator or configuration, what have you, right? So we sat down. We're like, hey, this is a configuration opportunity. And so when we've done this with multiple different companies or different projects, and so it's like, Super easy five step click click here takes sixty seconds. So for that that busy engineer that's trying to create a prototype, that busy person in purchasing that has thirty things to buy today, and like they're like, oh, I need to send in an RFQ. I've got or you know I've got to send in this. I got to wait three days for a quote. When you have a configurator, and this is what we this is the preach that we love to say, Arnold. What the configurator does. You're six hours ahead from me, of me right now. We're in different time zones. We are in a global, global market. How can you help that ideal buyer make a buying decision on a Friday night at midnight without having to wait for you to open up your doors on a Monday morning? If, they, if you could have that configurator, you're putting that customer service, that information, you're putting that labor on your website. Now, when you walk into the, the office Monday morning, somebody is like already, they're 90% there. They're like this close to buying. And now they pick up and now you can close a sale or maybe you can even just close a sale with that configurator. So, yeah, I'm a raving, raving advocate for configurators. I love what you guys are doing. So anybody out there, I would, if this is new to you or a new term, I would strongly encourage you, invite you, welcome you. Boy, talk to Arno and the team and like how do configurators, how can they help my company separate us and make that competitive advantage?
1: Yeah, thanks, Kurt. And I think that is definitely the lesson here to share. And what we still see with even with mature companies in in manufacturing, that they say they say always their strengths and their values. Indeed, is if it is the relationship with the customers they have, and that they are so precise and so good in manufacturing into the the smallest precision, you know, the best precision, etc. But they always take these orders by phone or by by email and or indeed with an RFQ. Right. And they are not knowing or not aware of that there are solutions, pretty mature solutions. And also with us that, that can, that can automate that. And that is, that is there. And just to make it a step further, of course, you can make it look good and, and just get your configurations in. But with Sana, one extra benefit I want to share here is that we go two, three steps further because with, with our, and we talk a little bit more tech here. So with our integration with the ERP, so the whole production lines and all production processes. Are integrated in our solution as well. So as soon as, let's say, this order has been, or your product has been configured, or you as a B2B buyer make that configuration, place that order is directly in the ERP, directly connected to these production lines. And all automation is, let's say, end to end, you know, from B2B buyer, from somebody in the factory that is, you know, welding the stuff together to make it exactly to your specs. So I think that is, that is awesome, right? Then you are, you know, no, that's, that's the, making things digital right end to end
0: yeah and think about if you know if i'm going the right direction here take a a manufacturer of an oem okay or whatever yeah and say you know i'm just thinking like uh, a lawnmower or something like that Mm -hmm. this was an example i had a company that had reached out and they were in the agriculture space and was you know so just for simplicity let's just call it a lawnmower right so there's on a lawnmower well maybe somebody you know wants like certain parts you know, so instead of me, like, snapping a picture and saying, hey, I need this, what if you had on your website, the breakdown of that part of that, that unit, and like, here's part A, here's a picture, here's a description, click buy, here's part this, here's, you know, so like, if you have 50 parts in this, in this finished good, and you could like make it so easy, and so seamless for that buyer to just buy the exact part that I need, right? I can't tell how many manufacturers I work with, where they'll be like, a customer will text them a picture or email them a picture like, "I need this part." Well, you can mm-hmm. have that information right on your site, make it just super easy, and just click the the easy button and just buy everybody wins, man, it's just make it yeah. and, and look at the competitive advantage you're creating for yourself.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that is how we see customers succeed a lot. And spare parts, you know, you need to have and we call this feature exploded views. You can start small or do it fully automated. So given a sample of, of starting small. It's just by mattering, at least in Sana, a matter of just Uploading a picture of that product, and you can make heat maps on that picture, and just select, okay, this is the wheel of the motor, yeah, yes. this is the engine, this is the oil filter, and so on and so on. But that's a little bit of manual work, but still, you have you have done it, and from there, the, the B two B buyable. Yeah. Will love it. Uh, so they, they do not have to send that picture anymore by phone or by, by email or whatsoever. It's automated. But it, yeah, if you have 20,000 products or, or different mowers, then it maybe is a little bit a lot of handwork for the e-commerce manager and so on. And also if you take sale and all this stuff. So we have also automation around it so that you can upload these files, you know, these technical files. I think they call cat files or SVGs, you know, where is this, these technical drawings of these machines. And there is also already data where which part is what. And we support these formats of files as well. They are coming sometimes from the ERP, sometimes from product information management systems. We do a little bit of magic and we show them online and and for the B2B buyer he has the same he or she has the same experience. Just seeing the product that he has ordered before yeah, based on that map, he can just select the thing that's broken and yeah, within as soon as possible you, you can start mowing again, right? Because that's that's the point. You do not want to lose time and you and you do not want to wait for wait before the, the stores open or the, the office opens to call, right? You want to do that now. Yeah. Oh my god,
0: dude, that was so good, man. And like, you know, I know Thanks. You, have a, Thanks. you have a tagline, e commerce built with your ERP at heart. You know, and I just like what you just described. You know, again, is like the dedication That's a like your, it's the dedication of your company to the solution for your customer as opposed to like just being product based and focused, you know, and, and I love what you're saying. So, like, if you have like the lawnmower example that we're giving, you know, maybe it's an agriculture and like mm-hmm. this production or like this farm is shut down because like they need one part. And so, I mean, it, it's not just a matter of like, hey, gee, I can't mow my lawn on a Saturday. This could be like mm-hmm. catastrophic for a business. The easier you make it. The more loyal customers you're going to build. So I, I just I love this conversation.
1: Understood. Understood. Another topic. Yeah, maybe we make a make a small jump from here. But we have talked. Or of, of course, it it is an investment. But we also see yeah, some things in the world changing around. Of course, we had COVID. We see maybe some economic challenges, and so companies are needs to save costs, or they see that their production costs are rising because of the the ingredients they use or the you know supplies costs have been rising and rising. Inflation is there. All those things are at play. What can you share about that? Because then maybe it's, it's hard to say, do that investment in e-commerce, right? Because it's another investment you need, to, you need to make. But maybe it could also be a huge cost saver. Is there anything, any tips that you can share there, especially in this hectic times?
0: Yeah, great question. Good conversation. Very hot topic these days. And so, you know, one of the taglines is we're talking configurator, e-commerce, seamless, make it as easy as possible to buy from you the term that we're using is digital self-service. We're hearing, you know, like labor costs are going up. So restaurants around the world are trying to figure out how can we make that customer relationship? How can we bring our labor costs down and everybody's like, oh no, we're cutting jobs. Well, you know, we're just trying to keep costs efficient. We're just trying to keep, you know, otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you walk into a restaurant, we're not going to be able to afford it anymore. Right. So, like, how do we keep those costs down? So, again, let's go back to like that configurator situation. If you don't dedicate yourself to being found online, if you and your family are going on vacation, Arnold, like, what's the first thing you do? Right. If you're going to buy a car, if you're going to make a purchase, send kids to college, whatever, you know, whatever the dis- decision that somebody's going to make, typically the first thing we do is we're gonna go online. If I'm looking for a new vendor, a new B2B relationship, I'm an engineer creating a new part and I need to scope out a prototype product, they're going to Google. Like what's what is what's plan B, right? They're going to Google. So number one, if you're if you're not found in search, if you're not found on social, or if you're not whatever product service that you're selling, if you're not where your customer is, you're just simply not in the game. You're intentionally making yourself irrelevant. Right, so again, must to have versus nice to have, you have to dedicate yourself to being found online. Land yeah. on a website by land on your website and it's like you know it looks like a business card. this is interesting for you. This is years ago. I had a client, I went to their website. it was really rough, and so I'm working with them and this the reason that they let me in the door is had this not happened, they this is like manufacturers are very resistant. They had a, mm-hmm. So here in the States, I'm in New York, and there was a, a company that came to visit them. They had a multi-hundred thousand, I can't remember how many, like, say, uh, uh, ball fields. You know, I know, like, we call it soccer, you call it football, you know, like soccer, yep. football fields. It would be massive, amazing, impressive facility, right? This gentleman from another state, Wisconsin, which is a central part of the states, came to New York, took a tour of the facility, was blown away. It was a multi-six-figure project. At the end of the tour, the guy turned to him and said, you know what? I almost didn't come visit you because your website was so bad. And I felt that your website was so bad. I'm like, what's going on with the rest of this company? So if if your website isn't your absolute, it's probably arguably your most important employee today, don't you think?
1: I agree. So if you need to make decisions and tough decisions, like we all need to do as leaders, right? If you're running a business and taking the fact that let's say online marketing or online sales is sales and is marketing nowadays, Then maybe it's better to, you know, reduce cost or be more efficient on the old things you were doing in the past, but invest in the new things if you have not already done it. Because it will not only open up the door, as you mentioned it, and and make it a good thing, but it will also increase the efficiency within your company because you can automate stuff more, right? So it's a win-win-win, I would say. Win-win-win.
0: I agree. And so the thing is, this was a great example. We just, so I do a lot of, as I mentioned, webinars, workshops, trainings. We just did one on just the other day. I do a, a live stream every week. And so a client came on and he said, you know, here in the States, we have baseball. Okay. And baseball mm-hmm. is broken down yeah. in innings. And he called it marketing is like the starting pitcher in American baseball and goes like the first seven innings. Then sales is they come into the eighth or ninth inning to close the sales. So the thing is, it's very common for manufacturers to kind of like ignore the marketing. Man, you're in my baseball analogy, like you're ignore, ignoring those first seven innings. So it's like you're you're, you're mm-hmm. really putting yeah. your salesperson at a huge disadvantage. The other thing I'm just going to share with you real quickly, you're going to find that your customer service, whoever picks up the phone, your sales, they're answering the same questions over and over and over and over. I couldn't encourage, invite, welcome your t- your, your listeners, anybody out there boy, get those questions, get those on video, get those into guides, get those into how-tos, get those, and you're like, man, that's a heavy lift. Who's going to do it? But the thing is, once you do it, it is done. And now it's evergreen. And now it's just going to continue on. And look at how much more efficient and how more empowered you're going to make your salesperson or your customer service team when instead of like typing out an hour email, trying to respond where now they could grab a video. They could grab a live stream that they did with a a case study testimonial. They could grab a a guide, top ten reasons on how to do the lawnmower example that we did earlier, right? And I have tons of examples of like this is how you this is how you can capture first page rankings on Google. Number one, so by doing this, it helps you to stop being best kept secret. Number two, you're making your team much more efficient. Number three, we don't as a customer, I don't have to wait for an email, or even better yet. Don't even email me. Let me get that information right on your website. I don't even have to bother you. I'm looking at your YouTube channel. I'm looking at your guides, your white papers, your resources. I'm, I see dozens of testimonials. I am chomping at the bit to do business with you. If we ignore these things, again, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned for the companies that choose collectively, intentionally ignore those strategies.
1: Yeah, no, that's another great lesson. Thank you, Kurt. And I think a, a great pitch also for your book because it's about that, right? The best kept secret. Uh, <laughs> My mom thinks and that, I- Arnold, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, very good. And yeah, honestly speaking, I didn't, I didn't read the book yet. So, but I will do because I think also, yeah, we're on a great journey. And of course the podcast is one part, but there is never, it's never ending story to become more famous or more, you know, known in the market. So I still believe you are a best kept secret. So we need to, we need to learn a little bit more from your book and open up stuff. So definitely on my to-do list to read it. Oh, I'm honored. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Looking at the time, time flies talking with you, Kurt. It it went so quickly, but looking at the time we are rounding off. And yeah, one, one thing is, yeah, the lessons you shared were really, really, really nice. I especially loved it you know, finding that niche that, that will stick for me today. And hopefully that will stick to the listeners as well. I think it's not only for new customers, but also for our existing customers, a great thing to to try or to see. And everybody that is in, in B2B e-commerce, obviously. So last thing I wanted to ask you for today is, and that's something new I wanted to try is, yeah, do you have, I have a next guest. I'm not sure who it who will be um, in the next show, but is there any question that you want to ask to him or her? Because then I will do that. I will say, okay, last time I had Kurt, he had this question. So it can be about anything, but in the B2B context, it's more easy as a start. But do you have anything in mind? You know, phenomenal question. So here is um, uh, my
0: rebuttal. My question is this. So we're talking about niching down, right? So a line that I'd love to use is niche down till it hurts. Okay, niche down till it yeah. hurts. And it's like, what do you mean by that? Like nobody wants pain. What do you mean it hurts? Well, you know, it hurts to tell a customer no it hurts to turn money away. But the thing is, I like to finish that sentence with niche down till it hurts so good. We're like, you almost feel vindicated. They're like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't want to do that anymore, but I was afraid to say something. Or like now, like that really, that customer wasn't that profitable. And it's really hard to separate or fire a customer or fire a product line. But I love that line of like, how do you niche down till it just hurts so good? I guess my question would be for your next guest is, you know, do they have any examples in a B2B space or in their lifetime or their work experience that they found Mm -hmm. like, boy, we niched down and it hurt, but man, this just felt so good when we finally had the courage to let go of an unprofitable service, an unprofitable uh, client, an unprofitable activity that was going on. So that would be my question is, hey, do you have any stories about niching down till it hurts so good?
1: Yeah, I will definitely do that. And that is, I will let you know what the answer will be. I can't, because I'm, I'm,
0: (laughs) I'm a sponge. I'm like, just a, I'm a lifetime learner trying to figure out life, trying to figure out business. And so I, any brilliant you, your team, Anthony, everybody on your team, I'm just learning from you guys. And so this is uh, just a wonderful opportunity.
1: All right. So yeah, thank you very much, Kurt. If listeners want to know more about you, they can go to b2btail.com. I think that is a place to be, or just find you on LinkedIn, Kurt Anderson. It will be directly uh, on top of the list. I already checked it. And yeah, you're active, man, on LinkedIn. So every two, three times a week, you have something, right? Like a webinar or something else, like a workshop. Yep. It goes on and on.
0: Yeah, I'm one of those annoying people. So I'm, you know, I do a couple. (laughs) uh, As a matter of fact, I'm doing a live stream in a couple hours. So what we do is we bring experts of different topics related around e-commerce, manufacturing. And so we just, we have a great time, a lot of fun. We welcome people to join us. So yeah, I'd love to connect with any of your listeners on LinkedIn. And, you know, if we can help them in any way, unite, partner together, that'd be just a blessing. So, and thank you. I'm just, I can't tell you how honored I am. I know, you know, we're across the pond from each other and this was just such a delight and just, you really, you made my month. And so thank you for this great opportunity to be with you guys today.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, I wish you a nice weekend because it was Friday that we recorded is, this session. It so. is a
0: Friday. So, hey, and just everybody, happy e-commerce scene. Go out there, just happy be relentless, have courage, <laughs> and, and you can do this. So just uh, get out there and reach out to Arno
1: and, and he'll make, Arno will make the magic happen. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See you next time, Kurt. Thank you. Thank you.